Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing there, buddy? Another rough day at work. Rough at least, day at work. At least this time I don't have to go back to work after we're done recording. That's pretty good, yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's the only reason that it, last time when I had to do that is because we it was a guest that I didn't want to keep waiting. Right. Whereas the, our guest today is a friend of yours, so I figured he can hang out. Yeah. <laughs> while I finish my work. Here's the thing. I'm going to whisper so he can't hear. I can't stand him. <laughs> um but uh, no, it was it was perfectly fine, and I was actually talking to the uh, the guest today. I, this is not me saying asking you to explain what you do on mic. That's not what I'm saying. Uh-huh. But uh, he was saying, "What what does David do?" And uh, I'll describe it the same way I describe my brother's line of work. You've explained it to me several times. I have no idea. I don't yeah. even know where to start. It's not uh, it's not important in describing it. It's not important to the listener. But as your friend, I feel like I should know. And you could nope. explain it to me. I still won't know. Yeah, it's not important. So, but uh, but yeah. So I'm I'm sorry that you had a rough day at work, but you T- can relax today, now. My most difficult task was not strangling certain people I work with. Okay, I worked really hard. I put in a lot of overtime, not committing murder. It worked today. <laughs> you earned your money. Yeah, it, or maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I slacked off a little bit and strangled someone for a couple minutes. <laughs> but uh, then I. Got my butt back in gear and stopped doing it. <laughs> but um, what was that? That was our guest, Tyler. All right. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him? I'll do it when I'm good and ready. I'm ready now, but not because you told me to. <laughs> um, okay, so we're all feeling a little silly. Uh, not the guest, though. Straight-faced. So, um, so here's the deal. Uh, when I first moved here to Los Angeles, uh, my North wife... Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, you're part of it too now. You can't say Los Angeles. Um, That's true. But uh, when I moved to North Hollywood, thank you, David. Um, uh, among the people that uh, my wife and I first met was uh, a nice couple named Kevin and Claire, Hannah, and uh, I w- we were friends with them for a few months, and then they had to hightail it off to Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? That is absolutely correct. All right. Uh, but while they were here. Man, Kevin and I, we, we just made a connection. Chief, chiefly is that, uh, as listeners are probably sick of hearing, I collect Riddler action figures. My friend Kevin over here collects Mr. Freeze action figures. Is that right? That is that true. That is the gospel truth. Before we ever met, uh, there was actually a weird double take <laughs> of my wife nudging me and pointing. And I, I, only, like, uh, I don't know how many I had at the time. It just looked like he just has a Riddler sitting on a shelf. Um, <laughs> But the, uh, but yeah, and so uh, and also Kevin was there at the Brazilian restaurant when I ver- when I first met Maurice Lamarche. It was yes. uh, kind of a weird I thing. I believe Thomas Jane was there that same night. Thomas Jane was also there wearing a hat, wearing a hat uh, that he refused to take reflect. off. Not, not a gentleman. That nice guy. hat though. <laughs> it was a good hat, admittedly. <laughs> if you invest the money, you want to get as much out of it as you can. But by you, you, you go into a nice restaurant like the the meat on a stick place. You want to show your respects. But anyway, we've talked to the guest, but you haven't introduced him yet. Indeed. Okay. Uh, I did say his name, but not as not in an introductory kind of way. Uh, and nor did you explain what the hell he's doing here. Right. Uh, he is... Why he deserves to yeah, be Yeah, sure. I'm a friend, but so you just let any friend come onto your show? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Their right. name J- is Jason. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I like how much I make fun of Jason on this show. He's a good friend. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, 
but uh, Kevin and I kept in touch, even though even though uh, he moved uh, away, and uh, found and Kevin. Uh, so our our guest, his name is Kevin Hanna. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you. So, in th- are you purposely going low to screw up the sound check? I, I swear I'm not. I didn't know that was low. Okay, I guess it looks pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, in the time that uh, that you've been gone, you know, I, you and I have uh, che- you know yeah. checked in with Kept each other in. from time yeah, to time, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, you know, you've had uh, meteoric, meteoric success. You know, you yeah, have uh, the success of a meteor. That's right. <laughs> Admittedly, there have been some failures, uh, <laughs> like when they smash into planets. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> I think from the meteor's point of view, that's a success. That's, that, yeah. that's a win. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's all a hit or miss, and that was a hit. <laughs> and that was. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so. Now, I'm trying to think exactly. You created a comic book. I created a comic book. Uh, entitled Clockwork Girl. The Clockwork Girl. I, I, I feel like it's just Clockwork Girl. You, I, you can call it that. I did. Ca- I am calling it that. But that's not what everyone else calls it. We've all got places to be. I can't be. Right, let's go. Right. Okay. I, I can't be hassled. To, to right. work so, the into everything. So uh, Tyler's in the process of cutting articles completely out of his <laughs> <laughs> lexicon. Right. <laughs> uh, so, um, so you created it. You are the author of it. Uh, I am the co-author, co-creator, co-artist. Okay, There's a lot of co's in there. So a lot of co's in there. I, I split the creative duties with a gentleman named Sean O'Reilly, who's uh, a movie accomplished movie producer. Is also the producer of this movie. Okay, uh, um, the Clockwork Girl, mm-hmm. and uh, a few different artists. So I worked with like. A team of artists, and it kind of echoed what I did. I used to work at the Walt Disney Company as an art director there, doing the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we said, "Hey, let's do a comic book." And it was actually it's it's fun. So what what ended up happening is I met Sean in like 2003, and we were just I was just an animation guy, and he was a comic book guy. And we're like, "We should do a comic book together." Mm-hmm. It kept going. Sean fell into Hollywood because that's what happens. It's literally like a trapdoor. And he went, so went from the <laughs> oh, northwest. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, started producing movies. Um, I kept moving up the ranks. Became the senior art director at Disney, mm-hmm. and started my own animation studio. And we circled back together. We'd worked together on a bunch of other stuff. And 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 uh, we're like, you know what? That Clockwork Girl thing that was pretty cool. All of the comic book came out. Did mm-hmm. fairly well, won a few awards, and a lot of the, the movie studios were, were after it, but I didn't like where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. So I took a stab at it at my little studio and said, you know what? I know what this movie should look like. Let's do something, and maybe, I don't know, it could be a behind-the-scenes feature on a, on a DVD someday. Mm-hmm. And we did it, and Sean's like, this is pretty good. Can you do this for an hour and a half? And I was like, easy. <laughs> easy. So he's like, all right, I'm going to take this around. And it took a little bit, but almost a year later, he found the funding for it. Uh, found distribution for it, and uh, I got my team together, and we're about about halfway through production right now, and it's rocking and rolling. All right. Well, we're going to get more uh, to that in a moment. Oh, go ahead. I, I'd like to know, uh, and I'd like the audience to know, the, the, the premise of Clockwork Girl, the, the comic book and the, and the sure. movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's uh, about two rival mad scientists, each trying mm-hmm. to outdo each other, and uh, they're getting along in years, and their final... Opus uh, is is the embodiment of the respective philosophies. One is a machine scientist, the other is a bio, uh, biologist, and they each create their own children. Mm-hmm. Uh, one makes a robot, and one makes a monster, and they're created to 
hate and kill each other and instead they become friends but <laughs> now they're they're stuck in the middle as these mascots of these opposing factions on the verge of the civil war and uh not in the comic book but in the movie there's now like an an overriding government and a overriding end of the world blight plague thing mm-hmm. and they're just completely caught in the middle and they figure out what the connecting pieces are so while they're the worst thing that could possibly happen to undo what the the little piece they have is these two people come together and they have to fight it, everything with love with love you with say with love so it, yeah it's it's Romeo and Juliet with uh um Frankenstein monsters and robots happier ending spoilers I'm not going to say. <laughs> All right, then. All right. A lot of automatons in there's that. A lot, there's That's a, a reference to something that we were talking about off mic, and I think you mentioned we actually can't talk about off mic, <laughs> so I'm sorry I said that. Um, that's right. The word automatons is something we can't discuss uh, on mic. Hot button. Hot <laughs> Do you have the delay button? Like I like that. <laughs> right. I love the can phrase you, hot button. Can you dump this? Um, <laughs> but uh, so... What has been uh, to find out more about the the art of uh, film production, among other things, and uh, what goes into it? I mean, this is uh, we've had filmmakers on before, but you are making an animated film, which in many ways requires a lot more. I mean, <laughs> you have to design the characters, and I realize that you you already designed them for for the comic book, but uh, you have to make them really come to life, and so. Uh, how does th- I guess this could take the entire episode, and I don't want it to do that. But uh, so maybe I'll try to limit my question. Uh, what has been the most rewarding part of production so far? And I'll follow that up with what has been the most challenging. But we'll so- okay. go with rewarding first. Rewarding. Oh, it's tricky finding that one moment. Okay. Um, but what I, what I like about animation uh, is that it is an entirely created world. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, what's good and bad about it is that you you lose that the the happy accidents, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. everything becomes in your control. So you everything has to be built. Every toothbrush, every um, every component, every flower, every blade of grass. Somebody's building it, mm-hmm. and some artist is designing it and building it, and, and it has to be cohesive as part of this entire reality. So watching, I guess, th- there's never been one just wake up moment, but watching everything come together, every little design. And when you start to see it, like, oh, my gosh, there's the grass and there's the hills and there's the wall and there's the great tree and there's the kids climbing the tree. And you see all those components. And the toothbrushes. And toothbrushes. <laughs> and they're brushing their teeth while climbing the trees. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Watching all that come together and suddenly it's cohesive and it's like you saw it in your head. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, and just just seeing that whole thing come together and, and having, especially us being an independent production, building the whole thing from scratch, mm-hmm. including the team. So uh, the team is built up from some people that I've worked with for a long time, some some seasoned veterans, and a couple people right out of school. Mm-hmm. And f- or all of it, it's just been us coming together and brainstorming, getting excited about things, and um, in some cases training people up. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's just amazing, watching these, these kids who've never done anything before just pour their passions into something and then watching their faces light up as that monster that they built storms across the screen and comes mm-hmm. to life and mm-hmm. everybody doing their best to make build this thing you know it's it's interesting back when i uh back when i was in high school and i was part of the tv video staff at my high school um staff we weren't paid but uh (laughs) you know what i mean yeah part of the student team that made these little videos uh this is going to sound very rudimentary but the very first time i wrote something 
and then people acted it out and we filmed it and every and put it to you know edited it together and everybody was watching it i was i was very fascinated with the notion of something that you know 2 weeks before was strictly in my brain now other people are watching i realize that that is the that is the very basic those are the basics of dramatic art in general but quite literally with with yours i mean you mentioned that how exciting it is it's not even merely oh the words that i'm writing are being <laughs> shown at the, you are as you mentioned just creating an entire world and the you're really your only limitation this is going to sound kind of cheesy your only limitation is your own ambition and your own imagination and so I, I would throw time and budget in there as well. Time and budget is also <laughs> not yes, admittedly. But, but uh, yeah, I have a friend who swears that the anim- the definition of animator is is very similar to the definition of God. Um, I think that friend is a little bit of a douchebag. Oh, but, okay, but uh, but there, uh, there is something interesting in that. They're like, yeah, okay, you 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 do have to build and think through this entire world, mm-hmm. and there's something cool about that. And it's it's what's one of the reasons that I love animated films so much is because they can be a lot more personal than a traditional movie mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, uh, if they're shot on pers- certain locations, you know, they didn't necessarily build those locations. It might be very cool and handpicked, but that was another person who built that or that was mm-hmm. another, you know, f- years ago. And it's a, it's a, co- a composite. It's a, it's a mosaic. Um, but uh, animation is completely, it has to be original. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, sometimes I wish it wasn't because it'd make my job a little bit easier, but we have to think through everything. It's like, what does that toothbrush look like? I don't care. It's a toothbrush. <laughs> Just get a toothbrush. <laughs> but everything has to be designed and built and thought yeah. out. This is, I have a question that's going to probably uh, sort of betray my ignorance of the way that animated films are made, but hopefully some of the listenership is ignorant as well. Like, okay, so are you, I'm sorry, is your credit director? I'm the director, yes. You are the director. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're also the co-creator of the... Of the IP. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of, of the comic yeah. book, yeah. Um, Which is kind of uncommon. Right. But yeah, typically... Yeah art directors from Disney don't make comic books so right. that helped um, okay say uh, okay so you've got these characters that already exist in comic book form yes and now they're moving like literally moving <laughs> yeah and I'm sure you you have this is just a for example you have an idea of the way this monster the Frankenstein monsters type thing the way that is is that the he or is it he or she? yeah uh, the Huxley the monster boy okay the boy Tesla the clockwork girl right so um, you have an idea of the way he moves. Yes. But you're not sitting there and animating everything yourself, like with a pen. <laughs> no. Like, so I, 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 how, how, much, how much looking over the shoulder does there have to be? Because it, it seems like animation is so involved and so drawn out a process that by the time they get a shot, uh, you know, yeah. where, the, where that character moves across the, sc- the screen, if he's not moving the way you want him to, is it too late? I mean, that's like uh, the I budget mean, thing comes in. You know, and I, I think that's one of those things that uh, you can always go back and change things in animation, but it has to be a tiered process mm-hmm. where you know you you go through it and you improve like the rough animation where it's very simple and simplistic, and you go okay, but yeah, that's generally moving the way I see this character moving now. Refine it, give me some finger motion and some facial motion, and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's just. There, there, and there's all these different inputs to it as well. There's, there's, um, there's, there's two different p- 
primarily two different inputs. There's motion capture, which is where people wear the suits and they yeah. jump around like crazy. And then there's hand keying things where people will pose things a little bit at a time, which is almost like uh, like stop motion, where you mm-hmm. actually take the characters and you rotate the bones and the joints and everything. And, uh, and we're doing both. Uh, so you're doing so motion capture with actual I human am. With actors. humans and with cameramen. So and that's wow. actually very cool because, um, you know, what, despite what you may, how you may feel about the movie, I actually was really intrigued by how naturalistic the camera work in Avatar was uh-huh. mm-hmm. when it really didn't need to be. And as much as I love Pixar and DreamWorks, their their camera work is always pristine and perfect because it can be. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea of things being a little bit more human where you're kind of overshooting things and the cameras breathe and, and maybe miss the action just by a little beat or, or a little, you know, someone else starts take, talking and the, quickly the camera goes to look at the other guy and has to find its focus. And mm-hmm. it, it takes this mm-hmm. very fake and artificial world with robots and, and uh, monsters and all this other stuff. And suddenly it starts to breathe and become real and feels almost a little bit little bit docu style or a little bit cinema verite mm-hmm. where it's just real so, so sort of the, the process is different sort of like like waking life which was actually i mean that was actually shot on video yeah and it's it's different it is very different than that what um what happens is uh, i mean you've seen the videos where people wear those suits with all the dots on oh, them I've, yeah i've worked in that you worked at house of moves correct <laughs> yes i worked at house of moves oh. i've never actually said the name of the place on the podcast before but it's fine i'm sorry i don't, I don't think i've talked any shit about them <laughs> no 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 <laughs> is that where you didn't uh, I've, when I was at Disney, I worked with House of Moves. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I had heard some of the productions you'd worked on. I knew that, but but we like them. I, I think they're a great studio. So, yeah, there it is. All right, there <laughs> thumbs we go. up all across. No, uh, the people yeah. doing the motion capture there are great. <laughs> 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 um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, you know, everyone's running around, and I actually have some really, really a really good camera team, which is is not often done. Um, but the camera team's running around, and we're, we're we're running off our storyboards. But every now and then, we're improving shots and and trying to kind of go out of our way to make it very uh, a very naturalistic uh, performance and naturally shot. So, um, but then there's that component. But then on top of it, when you have all these creatures, you can't really take an octop- octopus or an octo bird as we have, or flying monkeys uh-huh. and giant underwater things, and you can't really put the little sensor balls on them. Uh, right. I'm going to keep trying until I can do that. <laughs> but um, we do that, and then, uh, you know, so I'm approving the, the performance on the set. But then on top of that, there's the animator component, and I'm talking to them beforehand, and we'll create some tests, and then we'll use that to extrapolate off of. And I'll go and I'll act a lot of things out just with the, the animators, because an animator is an actor. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they, they have to breathe that same performance into it and that physicality of it, um, you know, just as much as any live-action performer mm-hmm. is. Now, uh, before we started uh, recording, you you mentioned that you you live in Seattle. Yes. Uh, but you w- have to be in Los Angeles a fair amount because, of course, this is where it happens. This is this you know? is it. <laughs> I mean, you can do what you want in Seattle, but ultimately, you're going to have to come here. Come, everybody does. Come home, yep. um, <laughs> but uh, we learned that from Barton Fink. But uh, but I but you mentioned that you also go to Vancouver a great deal. Vancouver um, is uh, where the animation studio is. Um, right. Luximation Studios, as I should say. Okay. Uh, look us up online. And uh, our motion capture is done up there as well. Mm-hmm. But I come down here for our casting and voiceover. Okay. Uh, so, um, like, I've actually spent the last three weeks uh, in a recording studio recording. Um, uh, so, Jesse McCartney is Huxley. Uh, Alexa Vega is Tesla. And Carrie Ann Moss is Admiral Wells, who's the wow. main villain. Mm-hmm. So and then today was Carrie Ann Moss. So and yeah, she's pretty awesome. Yeah, and that actually, 
Well, I, I'll, I'll ask my first, my, the, my original question, not my original question, but the question I was going to, I was ramping up into, is, um, is that something that happens a great deal, is people have to go several different places to get something done, or is that maybe a function of the way you guys are doing it, a slightly smaller budget, you can't <laughs> yeah. have everything exactly where you are, you can't have it all in the same place. I, you know, I would say that's that's mostly uh, because we're an independent production. Okay. That's, that's something that happens in independent productions. However, when I was at Disney, we did uh, we were doing um, pickups for the video game of Chicken Little, and we recorded Joan Cusack in New York, in L.A. So mm-hmm. we were in L.A. We were at a sound studio in L.A. Mm-hmm. and we were listening to it from a sound studio in New York. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it happens with every production, with every company, but I think for us, you know, small productions, we got to be agile yeah. and we jump around and, and, you know, I've, I haven't wanted to sacrifice anything for the film. So sacrificing a, a performance because I didn't want to travel wasn't, wasn't going to happen. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll lose some sleep, but we'll get what we want and we'll make an awesome movie because of it. And that, and that, actually, or die trying. Well, Sorry. it'd be nice if you made the film first. <laughs> you can die after the film is made. That, yeah, pretty much. That's the okay. Well, the collapse on that. You ain't got time to bleed. Pocket. No. Like in Predator. No. Um, it's actually a lot like Predator. I believe it. <laughs> I think so. I believe, I've yeah. seen those character designs. Yeah. <laughs> where a Clockwork Girl has the weird, uh, you know, uh, pincers. Um, but uh, that's not true, everybody. Uh, although you could add it. Oh, okay. It's not too late. You're the director. Let's have the face mask when the mask comes off. Oh, that'd be awesome. There it is. Be uh. badass. That's that's my one complaint about Clockwork Girls. Not badass enough. It's pretty badass. I know. And Bill, <laughs> Bill Duke isn't in it. Yeah. That's true. Can you cast Bill Duke? I don't mean as a character. <laughs> I, I don't mean like he he's an actor playing a character. I want Bill Duke <laughs> just in as himself Girl. in the movie in a suit, please. Like uh, like Beowulf style, where it just looks just like the character. It is the character. It is Bill Duke. Yeah, we'll do it. Bill Duke's around. No problem. And he's just hanging out. He's like, what do you think, Clockwork Girl? And she's like, I don't know, Bill Duke. Can you help us out of this situation? I think I can. And he pulls out a minigun um, in his suit. Which cuts down trees. Whereas uh-huh. It sure does. <laughs> um, but the, uh, my question is this. Uh, yeah. Speaking about uh, performances, because you and I were talking about this the other day, that uh, how strange it is. I mean, you, this is your first film. This is my first film. You know, yeah. and you're, you're a nobody. I mean, I barely heard of you, and I know you. <laughs> but, like... I've done television. Uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, uh, we all get it. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, nobody. But you're, you know, you're directing Carrie Ann Moss, and you yeah. actually said that it's kind of, you know, it's kind of strange that, like, hey, uh, <laughs> you, what you just did wasn't right. You should listen <laughs> to me. I know you haven't heard of me, but I am technically in charge of this thing. Um, I mean, is... is you know, Thanks j- for that, Tyler. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, honestly, here's, yeah, what, yeah, here's yeah. what I mean. Yep. If it were me, yes. that's, that's what I would be thinking. Um, I'm not saying that's what you should be thinking. No. That is what I You know, and I think that's just one of those things that, like, it, it is surreal, mm. and I got to get over it real quick. And yeah. so, like, you know, the f- first five minutes, if I'm not over it, I could sacrifice the movie because I'm in awe. Yeah. And uh-huh. I just got to, like, look, I know the story. I know the characters. I know how it needs to be. Mm. and let's collaborate on it. I mean, fortunately, the performers that I'm working with are awesome collaborators, and they're amazing performers, and, like, I don't need... I mean, there's no there's no me go, going head-to-head saying, you're going to do it my way. Right. Uh, that, thank God, that hasn't had to happen, and if it did, I might, you know, wet myself a little. Uh, but, yeah, it's... It, and I was, you know, like, I, I, I wouldn't tell her this, but it's going on the Internet, so she, she... But, yeah, there is that thing of, like, okay, you know, 
Alexa's been in some amazing movies, but she, you know she's in her early twenties. I could tell her what to do. And mm-hmm. Jesse, same deal. Um, Carrie Ann Moss, there is always that thing like, okay, she's doing great, she's doing great, but if I ask her for one take too many, she'll probably kick me in the throat. Mm. You know, <laughs> crush my larynx. It'll just be done. No, yeah. they, they, yeah. they went through a lot of training on the Matrix. They went through a lot. <laughs> she knows some shit. She 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 does. She's kept up yeah. on that. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, there's there's a ticketing agent as, as she walked in. It was just on the ground, like rolling in his own blood. <laughs> like, okay, we just established some things right now, and I'm going to play off of that. I uh, I picked up on that hint. What was the casting process like? Uh, I mean, for uh, an uh, an independently produced yeah. uh, animated film, did you did you go to Carrie Ann Moss's people? Did, did um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it wasn't like you know I went over to her table or anything like that. Um, we we didn't do auditions. Uh, I, I don't think you do auditions at that level. When it's someone like Carrie Ann Moss, right. you you go straight to them. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just kind of this vetting process, and it was us going back and forth. Uh, you know, my producers have ideas, I have ideas, and uh, you know, just different names kept coming up, and we'd go back and forth and create the list and. You know, something would happen where, like, you know, we still haven't caught, uh, we still have three characters that were in the process of casting and we're talking to people. And, you know, what, when that happens, um, you know, you'll, like, get your hopes up on certain people and then, uh, you know, then they're busy or they just did another animated movie and it, it doesn't work out. And so you have to quickly adjust. And it involves a lot of movie watching. Mm-hmm. So every time a name comes up, you're like, okay, they'll basically, okay, you have one day, this person has expressed interest. Do you want to use this person? And that's actually what happened with Jesse McCartney was that Sean O'Reilly, my producer, suggested him and i i only knew him as a pop star i only knew him as like hannah montana and and other stuff and uh they're like you have two hours to decide go and so i was like uh crud all right and so i was i went and i scrambled and i uh and i'd already vetoed a lot of people i vetoed a lot of people i was driving them nuts and uh so i downloaded a bunch of the kids movies and he is actually really good and i was just like completely taken aback i'm Um, trying to think what i've seen him in uh, uh, the movie of his that I really liked is called Keith. You'll be surprised. Like, yeah, I was like, that. This is the same guy. It doesn't even look the same. Mm-hmm. And it was just, he was a, he plays a total like, kind of scuzzy but tormented teenager. Nice. But he was very wry, and I was like, I could do a cartoon version of that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so like, and then literally it was two hours after that we went to his people. We'd already been talking to them, made the offer, and that was Friday. I flew down and we started recording with him on Monday. And, did, and did he, he knocked it out of the park. He was awesome. I could be thinking of some another pop star actor. Did he play himself in I Want Someone to Eat Cheese with? The Jeff Garland movie? Or was that... Ah, uh, who... What, it was may... That, that might have been Aaron Carter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of have a similar look. I, I just Not anymore. They're both singers. Yeah. yeah, if you look at the two of them now, you won't get them confused. But yeah, back in the... When they were their teenagers. Uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, so and it happens It happens really, really quick. And so, you know, like really quick, they'll throw a name at me and I'll have to say yay or nay. And uh, um, yeah, so what happens is our casting uh, director will, will throw a bunch of names at us and say, these are the people that are technically available. And so then you go after them and say, okay, well, here's my list of the people that are technically available. And you just go back and forth. And it involves so much movie watching. And like that Friday where we, when we cast Jesse, I, I had my entire, my entire animation team. I'm like, quick, pull up YouTube videos. Go, 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 go. Uh-huh. And there were some other alternates. And I'm like, no to that guy. Okay, hit play. Okay, no to that guy. Okay, okay, oh, that's – okay. And on Jesse, I saw an interview with him. And I'm like, okay, I like his voice. Can he act? And then, and then we pull down his movie and we're like, awesome. oh, cool. Um. 
Do you do, do you feel any uh, guilt, like screaming no to that guy <laughs> to, about about it? Like I, a, it's the same thing. You just gotta get over it. You, you, you just yeah, you get over it. I mean, you know, I'm an amiable guy, and and I the the thing that's been cool is that it's, it's been a collaboration where I'm like, you know, I'll be like, you know, I wasn't thinking it like this, and uh, and they're like, and like with Jesse or with any of them, they'll just be like, okay, well, I was thinking of it more like this. I'm like, all right, okay, cool, let's do that, and you know, usually they'll bring something better than I could have. Sometimes I'll just say, you know, that's, I don't see it going that way and we'll go back and redo it. Um, but, but it's pretty awesome. It's pretty exciting. You gotta, you gotta make decisions on the fly really yeah. quick and you just gotta go and it literally goes like this. Okay. We'll do at least, you know, we'll do 12 takes and I'll be okay. I like the first half of the third take and the last half of the fourth take. Okay. Pull those. They're going in the movie and it's that fast. Mm-hmm. So it was Aaron Carter. It was Aaron Carter. Yes. <laughs> I don't mean to say that they look like just that my, knowledge of the kind of music they made was <laughs> in, well, in just looking yeah. at some of the, like the younger pictures of jesse mccartney like looking at his imdb page just now he does kind of have you know he's got the longer blonde hair yeah. and all that but uh it looks like that's when he was younger and he's and more of an adult now so he's a man he's a he's 23 he's a man. yeah he's 23 you know what i got married I at 23 so never mind yeah <laughs> and i was a man so um <laughs> is is the comic book still ongoing no, no, no. It was, it was a limited series. It, it had a beginning, okay. a middle, and end. Um, but the comic book was very um, Miyazaki-esque. It, it was very... Uh, uh, it, it didn't have a big cinematic arc. It was very much about people standing around talking and feeling things through and exploring the world and not saying much. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it was cool just because, because of that. I, I liked that aspect of it. But if we adapted it straight into a movie, it would be 20 minutes long. Oh, so, so what... The, there was an initial push um, to do something big and epic and end of the world. And we kind of wanted to put a spin on that. And so so there is an end of the world thing, but it's a very personal end of the world story. Mm-hmm. And so everything's escalated. There's a big adventure. The beginning's the same. The ending's the same. But what happens in the middle is, is interwoven. And there's a lot of things that when when sitting down to flesh out the movie – a smack in my head going, why don't we do this in the comic? It's so obvious. Oh, it made the comic make so much more sense. Well, do you see, not not knowing the way either the comic series or the movie ends, do you see more stories being told in this world? In no, everybody dies. Form? Everyone dies. Everyone dies. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I would absolutely love to do a uh, two. Um, because I, just because I... I uh, a movie two or, or another comic? Either series. or. Yeah. Um, I just, I like this world. It's, uh, I like... I really like Mad Scientist. Mm-hmm. I've always liked, you know, from Metropolis to City of Lost Children, Back to the Future. I just always yeah. thought that was really cool. And that's, that was actually the where the idea started was just with Mad Scientist. I'm like, what if there's just Mad Scientist wars, uh-huh. you know? And it's just like trying to, okay, what if they're trying to one-up each other? And what if they do that with their, and they've got little, you know, younger ass assistants. And I'm like, okay, what if they're not assistants? What if it's like nephews or, or, or children and they're monsters? Oh, and they're both ri- robots and monsters. Yeah. So. Yeah. It kind of came it's out. It's funny like you that. mentioned Metropolis because when you told me who the Clockwork Girl was, that's the first movie that that oh, yeah. came to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 the nice version of Maria. <laughs> it's a, it's a very friendly Maria. She's very big, pretty eyes. And and before we get into the topic proper, it's been half an hour. But <laughs> um, when will we see Clockwork Girl? When is, is first it? quarter two thousand eleven? Cool. In theaters. In theaters. First quarter. Look at you talking like a businessman. Uh, why don't you put down your briefcase for a minute? My man um, purse. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so now, um, as David mentioned, we have been going for a half hour, so uh, I feel like we're, we're only 
going to brief get to briefly touch on our subject. Well, let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so when we when we talked about uh, Kevin, you're a listener of the show. You love I, the show. I love the show. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> I, I I may only listen to every second or third episode, but I'm a big advocate. That's fine. That's right. about what I'd recommend. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you, so I remember uh, when we were talking about having you on the show. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, hey, we could just do like a like an interview kind of thing. You're like, uh, can, we, can we talk about a topic? Like you, you were I very excited to yeah. actually be like a real guest of the show and t- discuss a topic. Absolutely. And uh, and so I said, okay, well, I don't know what kind of I don't know what you do, what you like. Uh, so what do you think? And you said animation. I said animation. And uh, and already, I mean, it's become clear like you, it's something you're very passionate about, um, and something you're very knowledgeable about. And so I'm actually very excited. Um, I did not like that head, that false <laughs> modesty head movement you just did, and the fact that your hat is backwards is disturbing. It's hot now. It's, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll turn LA. this back on, but, the, but it's my, noisy. My mic picks it up. Um, <laughs> but if I turn this way, it should be fine. So um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Have we done? We haven't done animated movies as a no. Topic. We haven't. We did actually. children's movies, but that episode is no longer available. Right. Yes, was, that, that was, was like episode episode two, two or three. I think. And yeah. and I would go so far as to take I I take issue with lumping in animation with children's movies. They're two. No, I just mean that. I'm sure we, <laughs> there's when some we did our children's movies discussion, yeah. there was probably some of overlap. Course. Yeah. Of course. I think we talked at length about The Iron Giant because I'd leap at any chance to talk about it, The Iron it, Giant. It's, it's my favorite, favorite movie of all time. Really? I will put that on any list, yeah. Which, you know, oddly enough, I still have not seen. But I feel I'm, I'm sure I will enjoy that. it. What was that? Yeah. you got to do that. I, no, I'll get there. Are, are you deliberately going out of your way to not see the movie? What was that? Are you deliberately going out of your way to not see the movie? Well, I, you know what? Actually, when you first said that it was your favorite movie, yeah. I said, I'm, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, no, uh, uh, of course, as, as long-time listeners know, Tyler has a Harry Connick Jr. moratorium. <laughs> the, After w- Copycat, I'm like, that's it. <laughs> well, you know what? But, I mean, well, that's what's so amazing about that movie. It sounds like the worst movie of all time. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us the cast of that movie, please? Uh, it's Harry Connick Jr., yeah. Jennifer Aniston, Vin Diesel. John uh, Mahoney? John Mahoney, Christian McDonald. Yeah, yeah. But leave those guys, the last two out. Yeah. Vin Diesel, <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. Just picture that movie poster right there because that, <laughs> that is the furthest thing from that. Yeah. Pos- it's just amazing that, that I will go so – I don't know. I might end up working with some of those people – that Brad Bird overcame that cast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just incredible well, that there's that such was, a – Did they not do a, a good job? Or, no, they, or they, they got, were – Good they, performances out of them. He got amazing performances out of them. Um, I mean, I, people tease Vin Diesel because, like, oh, he didn't talk that much. He was actually really good. And yeah. When well, he here's did, how I feel about yeah. Vin Diesel. If I can interrupt you for a second. Yeah, go go. Vin Diesel is to acting what like Dane Cook was to comedy. Dane Cook, when he started out, uh, or when, when he first started getting onto the scene, I felt like not that I was a huge fan, but he showed promise. Like was, I was, I laughed. Yeah, he was. Yeah, funny. I laughed. I, I thought, you know, there was. Some hope there. Same with mm-hmm. Vin Diesel, Iron Giant, Saving Private Ryan, Pitch, Pitch Black. Black. Yeah. Um, and then at a certain point, both <laughs> of them became more interested in being more famous than in perfecting their craft. Yeah. That, that's, that's my feeling about both those people. It seemed as if someone came along and said, like, wow, you're really good. You know, this is what you have to do, right? You have the <laughs> opportunity to become really popular and really famous, and you have to take it. <laughs> right. And interestingly enough, to both those people, it was just to yell all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I will say, Vin Diesel was in a Sidney Lumet film called Find Me Guilty, he was, and he's yeah, great. In he it. is. The movie itself is okay. He is great. 
So, um, but uh, I'm sorry. Yes. So uh, Iron little, Giant. Yeah, yeah. Any chance we could talk about the Iron Giant? But yeah, you know. And I, I mean, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. Go right ahead. Um, <laughs> Who was the voice of Hogarth? Was it Aaron Carter? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eli Marenthal, ah. uh, and he was also Batman. Uh, he was Robin in the the Batman animated series. Oh, cool. Hmm. So the the ones that I noticed you have on your shelf. Wait, which which Robin? Because he was Tim Drake. Tim Drake, not, young, not young, Dick Grayson. Okay. Which also, okay, I'm, we're going to keep chasing things. Why is Dick Grayson still go by Dick? Do you know anyone in this day and age who goes by the name Dick who's named Richard? Shouldn't he change it to Richard now that we're in 2010? You and I, Tyler, worked on a play called Bus Stop with a guy that we all called Dick, but I think it was because we all decided to call him that. Yeah, I think that was a decision we all made. But it's just like, I mean, I still read the comics, and it's really unnerving, especially because he's an adult now. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to read some of those lines and not giggle, especially with Alfred running around calling him Master Dick. It, You're anyway. a grown man. I, with children. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's just... Because I, I, he's, he's the new Batman. I don't know if you read the comics. Bruce Wayne is dead. Oh, okay, Bruce Wayne is dead. Oh, what and happened? And Dick Grayson is the Batman, and I'm... Uh, <laughs> what happened? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, yeah. You it, know what? That was a dumb question on my part. <laughs> I have to assume, it, was he killed? He was, yeah. It was, actually, it was really weird. It was, uh, he choked. Like, he was just, he was eating a steak, and yeah. yeah. It was really anticlimactic. But like. I, I just, you know, I, I, I've always loved Robin. I've always loved the original Robin. I'm having a hard time with Batman being named Dick. And that's just, there it is. Okay, I've said it, and now I'm never going to work in anywhere ever again. Oh, we'll, we'll go you one better. Yeah. Or maybe one worse. This episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway. anyway. Okay, so uh, I don't know how to come back from that. All right, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, um the the Iron Giant is yeah, probably one of my favorite movies of all time and um uh, that director Brad Bird made my second favorite Pixar film of all time, which is The Incredibles. What is your first? Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Okay, fair yeah. li- fair enough. Yeah. Controversial choice. I see I, I don't feel that way because Tyler and I agree, I think. <laughs> <laughs> It's you know what it's at this point it's hard. I love The Incredibles. I love Finding Nemo. I'm I love Wally. I'm really loving Toy Story three. Like it's Pixar oh. puts out some pretty amazing yeah. things that it's hard to pick well, a number one. Yeah. For me. Let, watch me on this uh, segue here. All right, you guys all saw. I know you you saw Toy Story three. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to hate it so bad, but <laughs> I did. I was just like, oh, a three. What kind of yeah. sellout makes a three? Yeah. Well, I'll and then I was like. Um, then I'm, and I'm sure you noticed as a fan at the very end, there was a, a toy or a like a plush doll of Totoro from absolutely Hio Miyazaki's. Mm. Uh, is it Hayao or Hio? Hayao. Hayao Miyazaki's My Neighbor to- My Neighbor Totoro, which mm-hmm. is actually my favorite of his films of the three that I've seen. Um, that would probably be my second all-time favorite movie after after, after the Iron Giant. No, oh, second all-time. Yeah. But, yeah. But, so it's your also your favorite Miyazaki. Yeah, film. yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about Miyazaki, and I, I will. then you and I could talk about why uh, we choose my neighbor Totoro when I think most people, right, uh, with no complaint on my part, choose Spirited Away. I, feel I like choose a, Spirited Away. A lot of people <laughs> consider that his best. All right, and I'm, I'm going to take the long way around. Is that all right? Sure. Because yeah. uh, I, lo- I want to talk You're about want to talk about uh, some Miyazaki love here. Um, so like. Okay, so bring back. So yeah, so I'm making this movie. It's called The Clockwork Girl. It's it's in many ways it's kind of a love letter to a lot of the '80s fantasy films, not just the animated ones, but um, you know, like uh, the the Henson ones, Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, which are mm-hmm. still really fantastic movies. Um, but also a lot of the uh, 
Rankin Bass movies of the 80s. Now, a lot of people know Rankin Bass from the Christmas specials, yeah. the Rudolph the N- Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you guys know the like uh, the, the version of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings that mm. they did? Have you seen yeah. those? Yes. And they're like they're they're very weird, twisty line style and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that that are still kind of burned in my brain. And and they did so many really amazing things in the eighties, including um, Thundercats. Oh, cool. So what's really weird is if you watch Thundercats and uh, now that you know this, now if you watch Thundercats and you watch those Hobbit movies and another movie called The Last Unicorn, which is one of my favorite movies too, mm-hmm. they're even though the the shapes of the characters are very different, they're still very similar. And there's, mm-hmm. this, there's this through line. What, what, what gets weird about that is, I wrote this down, Topcraft, the studio that was the animation studio for The Last Unicorn, mm-hmm. uh, which is, if, have you seen this movie? No. Nobody's seen this movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, oh, man, Jeff Bridges, Alan Arkin, like it's animated. I'm sorry, is it Lost Unicorn or Last Unicorn? Last. The Last Unicorn. The Last Unicorn, right. and, he, and she has to fight a Red Bull. A Red Bull? Yeah, which is something that I have to deal with daily as well. So I, I think that's one of the reasons it... I can relate. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, it's a really fantastic movie, and it's actually, for a children's film, it's really sad and kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. But really, yeah, Alan Arkin's awesome in it. It's really funny. Um, anyway, the animation studio. You watch this movie, and you're like, this kind of feels like a Miyazaki film. Mm-hmm. The studio that actually animated it was a Japanese studio. Uh, it's called Topcraft. became Studio Ghibli, the studio that Miyazaki then took over and started with I think Nausicaa was the first Ghibli film, and then Totoro and Lapita, Castle in the Sky, and mm-hmm. uh, s- s- Ghibli files all over the world are cringing as I screwed everything up just now, but <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, so, okay, that was a real long way around, but sure. I wanted to make some recommendations in there. Okay. So Rankin Bass, Last Unicorn, awesome, really interesting stuff. But now but we can talk about Totoro and why yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So Now I've not seen it, so what is, uh, what is it about? Or will that just confuse? <sighs> no, you? And, and this is actually, I so it's a family drama. Okay, uh, it's two small sisters who have to move to the countryside uh, nearby a hospital while their mother is treated for an illness. I'm not sure if the illness is ever named. I don't know if I remember. But it's just the two girls, and the father still has to work to support the family. So it's these two girls coping mm-hmm. in a G-rated family film. Yeah. Now it, it there are some heavy moments, but for the most part, the way that children cope is to have fun and to have these really small adventures and and in their way connect with each other. And they have this very real relationship and May the Younger Girl is probably one of the best on-screen presentations of a small child anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so sincere and it's so real. And they have this adventure with this woodland creature and there's hints back and forth as to whether or not the woodland creature is ever actually there. Uh-huh. You know, they, they have these, there's these big changes in the world around them. And then, you know, they wake up the next day and those things that didn't actually occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, what I love about the movie the most is that it's in some cases about nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just about them talking or them just playing. And the way the kids play uh, is it's kind of like Winnie the Pooh in a way where it's mm-hmm. just it, it brings you back to that place, you yeah. know, where it's just pu- real imagination and real play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that about that That's, movie. Um Totoro reminds me in a lot of ways of the um, a lot of the live action uh, Ar- Iranian films, not not like Persepolis, but like the live action mm-hmm. films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the Persepolis is a French production, right? That takes yes, place that in is Iran. true. Yes, um, because of the 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 rules of what you can show uh, in in Ar- in Iran, that there's 
they don't tend to make a whole lot of movies about adults because you can't show them in any like intimate situations at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Iranian movies, like The White Balloon, which is something that everyone should see if you haven't, haven't. or um, A Time for Drunken Horses is another one, um, are about children. But they're really a, about these issues, like just it just issues of material and emotions that are so heavy, and, and, and it, but not in a not in a depressing way necessarily, yeah. just really real. And that's that's what Totoro. Uh, is for me because like you said all this stuff that's going on in the background you know oh I mean and it's it's about death and loss yeah. and, and love and, and just as real as to any adult but just this is how children deal with it because they understand mm-hmm. some things mm-hmm. they understand they, they don't you know they don't understand sex they understand love they don't understand death but they understand loss right uh-huh. and it deals with those as, as heavy as anything that we've mm-hmm. dealt with you know and there's like uh, oh man I don't want to ruin it but there's there's like one scene where uh um, I'm going to ruin the movie. Uh, there's this one scene where they have to deal with something that's so heavy, and you as an adult is like, oh my gosh, are they saying, what? I, this is a G movie, right? Nothing bad is going to happen. Is it okay? And uh, um, it, the emotion is real, and it, it, it's, it, it's as deep as anything as you'll see in cinema. Boom, mm. how about that? Well, that's also, just to real quickly... I just, I wanted to, this is yeah. one topic I wanted to hit was Totoro and Totoro versus Spirited Away. Not that I want to say one's better than the other, but I think the reason that I respond more to my neighbor Totoro is because uh, Spirited Away is very good at uh, sort of imagining a, the uh, the mental plane of a child, you know, right. like the dreamscape of a child. Whereas, uh, okay, when I watch when I watch a show like Mad Men, you know, mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to relate to Sally and Bobby. Don's kids. Yeah. Not that you're necessarily supposed to, but because you can't help but see them through the adult's eyes because when you're a kid, the world doesn't really look like that to you. Yeah. The world does take, it's because you don't fully understand it necessarily and you kind of fill in the blanks yourself. So you d- the world does kind of have a, a larger uh, imaginary Mm-hmm. feel right. to it and that's what that's what touch is to me it doesn't take place in a dream it takes place in the fantasy the the real live uh day-to-day fantasy world of kids that's why mm-hmm. it appeals to me more yeah there's uh it's it's interesting actually when i think back on on my childhood and that i collected a lot of like action figures and i would have like little adventures and like okay the x-men are fighting each other or something anyway um and i would i mean I came up with like a lab, very elaborate storylines. I would speak out loud, like for the characters fighting each other. Like, it's just me. I don't. <laughs> I could have kept that to myself, <laughs> uh-huh. but instead, I'm sure I worried my parents as they just hear voices coming from my uh, from my room and just like, oh, this one's got a British accent, or you know, a nine year old approximation of a British accent, <laughs> and um, <coughs> and I feel like. I feel like movies like Winnie the Pooh, you mentioned it, and Spirited Away, and I haven't seen My Neighbor Totoro, but um, I like I like that they they use the 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 opportunity that animation affords them to really explore, you know. And I feel like I feel like movies like uh, Coraline have also done that uh, since then, but um, That's I don't know the, just, the dark side of it, but did it very well. It's a yeah, great, it's a great movie. It just it, the way that it unfolds. It very it very much unfolds like a kid, a kid's imagination would unfold. I, I would say it's actually a pretty <laughs> accurate representation of a, a ch- child's nightmare, right? I'd Where say your, that. your yeah. parents are 
have betrayed you and are, are a darkened version of your parents. Mm. I remember having dreams like that as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was a pretty real place. And so I, I think that to me, like when you, when you suggested let's talk about uh, animation, the first thing that I thought of was, as strange as it sounds, because I'm somebody who I enjoy, you know, the movies I enjoy are fairly, many would call, boring. <laughs> All right? It's people talking. Right. That's usually what I like. But when it comes to animation, I, I have this feeling that admittedly some might say is limited because animation can be whatever somebody wants it to be. If they want it to be waking life where it's just people talking, just people talking. but yeah. it looks really interesting, then that's fine. But with with my view, I feel like animation I mean, I guess these days you have visual effects so you can even make the real world be whatever you want it to right, be. Right, right. But for a while, animation cornered the market on literally creating anything you want to create. If there's something you can't do in life, an animated film would allow you to do that, well, both as the animator and as I, the I viewer. I think that's still somewhat true. There's still more you can do. We were talking before we yeah. started mm-hmm. rolling about uh, the... Uh, I still I can't remember the character's name, but Ian, McShane, Ian McShane's character's... Uh, character from Kung Fu Panda, mm-hmm. his escape sequence, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is yeah. just ba- what's that? I was just saying it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a great I mean, sequence. just based on physics, there's yeah. you had, you'd have to animate it yeah. to do that. That's what's funny is he, Ian McShane, great cartoon character in a lot of movies. He's uh, he's Mr. Bobinski in Coraline too. He sure oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't think of him as a <laughs> it's always that lovable cartoon character, Ian McShane. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go so far as to say his characters are lovable. No, but, but it's uh, just really maybe there's plush dolls of Ian McShane, and that's really funny. <laughs> that is kind of an odd thing, much yeah. like, uh, you know, or Patton Oswalt being uh, Ratatouille. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, yeah. When these kids who love Ratatouille grow <laughs> up, they're going to listen to his horrifying comedy <laughs> and just listen to the word, you know, penis over and over, um, yeah. and just him being like, man, just coming out of Remy's mouth. <laughs> Uh, he actually has a really funny bit about uh, being a part of a kids movie and uh, and oh and like doing press yeah, doing press but also he dealing always, with trick or treaters who yeah. dresses him oh, and right, uh, right. yeah like he always thought like a kid would come dressed as Remy the Rat and he'd be like you're inside me right now just <laughs> <laughs> like really freaking out yeah but um but yeah and that's and I guess that's oddly enough one of the reasons that I loved Kung Fu Panda so much is because it really, it's something, I I got a strong sense of like, you can't do this Mm -hmm. in life. That's why it's so invigorating. Like, for you, the jailbreak is what's awesome, and it is awesome. But for me, when the Furious Five are fighting Ian McShane's character for the first time, that moment, like, I wanted to applaud at the end of it. And it was just like, this is what animation can be, and so seldom is, like in the Shrek films and such. (laughs) You know, I don't oh, care for this. No, <laughs> you, you have mm. to like. Uh, you have to be politic, I guess. Uh, not really. They okay. suck. <laughs> they suck. I'm, I said it. Um, I, the thing, the thing that burns every anim- animator about the Shrek films is that it's the Academy Award. It's like it's y- the what? It's the Academy Award. So okay. the, the first ever uh, best animated film uh, mm. Academy Award went to Shrek. Yeah. And I think when Shrek came out, everyone's like, "Oh, okay, it's." parody of disney cool you know i'd put it at the same place as like i don't know a jim carrey or you know like an awesome power movie it's a parody funny okay yeah yeah it's cool okay yeah i like it and then oh by the way this is the best thing you guys have ever done you're like what what no 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 i mean how would you feel if awesome powers won the academy award for best picture that's why everyone's like 
wait, wait, is that what the rest of the world sees us as? Is like mm-hmm. parodies and, and fart jokes? And right. but you know, since then everybody's stepped up their game, and like you know, DreamWorks is actually making really great movies now, mm-hmm. um, which is you know kind of came out of left field, but it's awesome. Kung Fu Panda, and then I don't know if you guys saw How to Train Your Dragon, really great. I film. didn't. That's what I hear. Nothing but yeah, wonderful yeah, things. Really liked it. Um, but what I, what I love about um, you know, I, I would say it was like for a long time it felt like uh, a genre had taken over a medium where mm-hmm. animated film started to become very similar. And like I mentioned this before, because I'm I'm such a critic of Pixar, but they hit it out of the park every time. They do great movies, but what I hate is that people that aren't as good keep trying to copy them, mm-hmm. and they're copying them the wrong ways. Yeah. And so what happens is you get films that keep looking the same and so you stop getting the, that variety from animation that you can get and instead you get like you know animal adventure comedies mm-hmm. and when Pixar does it they do amazing movies you know some mm-hmm. of my favorite movies and, uh, and now apparently DreamWorks but uh, when other people not so much mm-hmm. so you know and that, that was actually something that you'd mentioned um, one of the things I love about the, the Miyazaki films and a lot of Japanese films is they're not necessarily goal oriented the way that American cinema is. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they'll meander and they'll have people that talk or they'll have yeah. people that'll explore and take the crooked paths yeah. and you'll just watch some wind blow over flowers or rain come down on rocks and establish the scene and really establish some mood and really get into someone's head. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, well so, talk, this would okay. be a good uh, segue. Um, <laughs> Every time you say yeah. it now, <laughs> you just keep yeah. thinking. Okay. Because um, we've talked mostly about animated films aimed at children, but mm-hmm. that's not... That's not all there are. I mean, right. we, uh, there aren't. <laughs> uh, I mean, you talk about the Japanese thing. There's, um, I, I can, I can never keep uh, all the names straight. But the guy who made Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress, uh, Paprika. Yeah, he made Paprika. I don't remember his name off the cuff yeah, either. But and Perfect Blue, gets, it's a, which is a great movie, yeah. gets all the the love. But I actually like Millennium Actress better. I don't know if you've seen it. I've only started. I never did finish it. It's really great. I hope that it was the same director as Paprika. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I haven't, yeah, and I haven't seen Paprika yet. I'm, I'm, I'm told I should. Just the the trailer alone was mind blowing. Yeah, I, really I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a very cool and interesting movie. I would put it maybe a little bit on the shallow side. Shallow, hmm. yeah. In my, in my humble opinion, but yeah. Um, do but, you think? Here's, because I've not seen any of those. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but, uh, but what I will say is that. It's that seems to be animated films or cartoons. I think they're called right. <laughs> I like cartoons. I, I people ask me what I do. I say I make cartoons. Okay, and, right, then, so and then they stop talking to me. And then, okay, and then I go. I'm a director of film, and then they come back. And there you go. I make animated features because because <laughs> I, I know I, I was saying cartoon, trying to get your goat. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I like the word uh, but you you you've claimed the word as your own. Um, but uh, it seems it seems that animated films. For adults, you don't find them a lot here. Like, I mean... Oh, you mean being made here. Being made here. I mean, uh, like, Coraline, I know plenty of people... I love it, uh you know? I know plenty of people my age that love it. Um, But my kids loved it, too. Exactly. You know, I don't think your kids would like Persepolis. They like the uh, Eye of the Tiger scene. Okay, I've not seen Persepolis. Oh, okay. Oh, you see it. It's really good. It's actually... It's a little funnier than you think it should be. Really? Like, okay. You're like this is supposed to be a horrible movie, and then you're just laughing through it. It's, it's and then what's what's the one uh, Waltz with Bashir? Which I didn't. See. Do not show that one to children. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's actually that's a great example because mm-hmm. 
uh, did that movie need to be animated? It could have probably just been a straight documentary. A lot of it was mm-hmm. a documentary. He's interviewing people, but he animated on top of that. But there was these moments where things were done in a dreamlike state mm-hmm. to kind of show his own, the filmmaker's thought process, and, and his memories weren't complete. They literally had blocked it out. Mm-hmm. So as the memories come back to them with these really weird gaps and giant women and things that were wrong, he would allow that to play out on screen. Hmm. And I don't know if you, you neither of you seen that movie? No. No. Oh man, I uh, it it'll punch you in the stomach, and like I I I left just kind of going, this is what animation could be, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it should always be that. It doesn't mean that that I want to get rid of of cartoons for kids because that's mm-hmm. what got me into this. Yeah. But they were he was able to convey uh, a, probably a deeper message of a, an atrocity through animation, and more effect mm-hmm. in my opinion more effectively because of the animation. Mm-hmm. Um. A, a, a film that I love, uh, but and I'm not even, I'm not sure if it's actually for kids or adults or, or both, which is uh, the Triplets of Belleville, uh-huh. um, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, anti-American attitude aside, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Enjoy, do what you got to do. Um, but uh, and one thing that I like about it is that it's it's purely visual. I mean, there's almost no dialogue. No dialogue. Yeah. I think there might be a line or two here and there. But uh, but yeah, it's it's purely visual. It's all music, all images, and uh, and I just I really respect it for that reason. Um, and it's something that that I feel like animation could you can do it easier with animation than a normal film. You can't. I, I think there's certain things. There's, live action films. It's interesting. There's some things that people will swallow and uh, in, in animation that they won't swallow in live action mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been interesting. That they really haven't been able to break the uh, animated uh, uh, show for adult, television show for adults mm-hmm. with the exception of the comedies. And they've tried a couple things. Like they tried Batman animated. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a few episodes that were specifically aimed at adults. I don't know if you remember this experiment, but they mm-hmm. put it in a nighttime time slot and they put it like, I think it might have been right before, right after The Simpsons or something. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a great show didn't fly i uh, didn't get didn't pull in the numbers um so i mean it's kind of interesting i don't know do you think mm-hmm. they could ever do like an action movie just like a big hollywood blockbuster that's animated well i mean my i remember when i first saw the incredibles i thought like you know it would be fascinating to just see just a straightforward because that's still kind of funny and it's superheroes and it's right. very creative very clever um but there's um, there's some amazing action sequences in there yeah. and in kung fu panda yeah but of course those are still viewed as kids movies i I don't think I think there's a lot that the audience would a lot of mental obstacles that they would have to get over themselves before they ever accepted that kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw something out there. Um, so what are you guys' thoughts, not on the movie itself, but on the success of Avatar? Do you mm-hmm. consider that a cartoon? Because it was pretty cartoony and it was made the same way that um, a lot of cartoons are made. Mm-hmm. What's what's the division then? Hmm. That's a good question, David. Uh, I, I, I don't know that there has to be a division. I guess it is somewhere. It's interesting. It's, it is it? bridging the, mm-hmm. yeah, bridging the gap. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I think I think that, as terms. as special effects, extravaganzas like Lord of the Rings, like Avatar, like King Kong, um, as those become more commonplace, yeah. and and various superhero movies do it too, but not to the extent that Avatar does, where it just literally just creates a world from from a whole cloth um i think that that actually will work as can work as a 
a good segue where after a while it won't matter if if there are live action characters as there were in Avatar. Um, I think it. I think maybe in ten years, if there are enough filmmakers and studios willing to take a chance, I think I think audiences might be willing to go with them. And maybe in in a decade or so, uh, you might actually find animated films for adults that are traditionally live action. You mean you know, the, like the, like an action movie yeah. or maybe even a horror movie that'd be interesting. I, I mean I do think that if nothing else Avatar's probably opened some doors that mm-hmm. that uh producers and investors might be willing to take risks on new animated worlds possibly for adults or or yeah. no, or maybe I should say not just for kids. Okay. Uh I feel like uh I mean, we've been talking about stuff that we like. I wanted yeah. to talk about stuff that I I I don't like that a lot of my friends are into. And it just, it just got me thinking of with uh, uh, action movies. Like a lot of the, uh, I might be using, misusing the term anime, but a lot of that Japanese stuff seems like the action movies are often, in my way, a really, in my thinking, uh, a really unimaginative use of animation. Like just, uh, well, this I don't have an actress who can uh, protest being naked in this scene, so <laughs> let's make the woman naked. Or just like bullets tearing through flesh, that kind of thing. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to be too specific. Uh, but there, I don't know, there are movies yeah. well, like I mean, I, Akira I and Ghost in the Shell that a lot of people like that I've never have never spoken to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually like both those movies, but um, but I, I can see where you're coming from. But it's also like you have to be a little bit careful because like anything – like everything, like American cinema, 99% of all anime is crap because it, anime is just simply Japanese animation. Right. And so okay. by that sense, uh, then the Miyazaki films are anime as well. But, I mean, there's, but there's some really amazing things. Did you guys see, uh, like, uh, Tech on Concrete? No. That, no, I've oh, not man. even heard of it. Oh, that's a good one. Um, it, it just some, that, that studio, they've done a few different movies, but everything they do. Um, let's see. What, did you guys see The Animatrix? Uh, no, I didn't. You know, I have it on oh, DVD, okay. and it's, I've it, never watched it. it. There's some good ones in there. Anyway, the the best film in that series was done by the same studio that did Tech on Concrete, and uh, that was that was another one that was like that could have been a story that could have been done live action. It was about two street kids, but there was just so many sequences that you just you're running along and you're in reality, and suddenly you're just in the kid's mind, and it was seamless, and the transition mm-hmm. was seamless. It's, gorgeous movie um and there's <laughs> there's another series that uh i've recently discovered called um let's see if i can say the whole name topa tapa gurun lagan i'm sorry what was that topa tapa gurun lagan and it's from the same studio it's from gynax who did uh neogenesis evangelion which you might be familiar with you've seen mm-hmm. the t-shirts or the toys on that one and it was them trying to just deconstruct giant robots once and for all which everybody in japanese in Japan, every animation studio in Japan tries to do over and over again, and I f- finally feel like they did it because the series just kept escalating and getting more and more ridiculous until the, th- this robot was so big that it had to, you had to get into a giant robot to pilot that giant robot, <laughs> and it got bigger and bigger <laughs> until literally like it was ten times bigger than all galaxies and universe combined, <laughs> and it just took over the entire sky. And the, I mean, it just got ridiculous, but they did it with such. It was it was something that you could tell that these guys were into every step of the way, and they kept surprising you and kept mixing it up. And it it totally was in the genre and loved the genre, but it went nuts. And anyway, there's, there's where do you get the resources and materials to build something that's bigger than the galaxy? It made no sense. I mean, <laughs> like it made it had a very weird, twisted logic to it that it it, it created the rules of its fantasy universe and it followed those rules. Okay. So the answer is. 
sheer strength of will. David, I got, <laughs> I got one word for you. Unobtainium. Unobtainium. Um, it'll, it'll solve all your problems. Well, we should start wrapping up. Were there, mm-hmm. What, what, what uh, favorites of yours in terms of animated movies uh, did, we, did we not get to? Um, so I, there's, a, there's a film that's real popular in my household called My Neighbor the Yamadas. I don't know. That uh, um, the better aspects of Little Miss Sunshine uh, admittedly emulated. Okay. And, but it, but it, was, it didn't have that, like, the little clever arcs that Little Miss Sunshine did. It was just, just about a family mm-hmm. and without a big goal or a story. Um, that's one that not everybody knows about. Um, not everybody knows about. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, the entire, just pretty much the Ghibli Library. Um, Lapita, Castle in the Sky, watch it in Japanese. They got, like, a 30-year-old to voice little kid on the American one. It's mm. travesty. Uh, <laughs> Mom, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just weird. It's like the kids going, I love you so much, Lita. And you're like, jeez. Oh, so, I, I actually, yeah. He's yeah. um, got a, a grip. So, um, yeah, I mean, and going back all the way to, like like I said, I'm going to hit the same movie that I just said. So, like, uh, The Last Unicorn, amazing film. The, the Rankin-Bass Hobbit and Rankin-Bass Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. I actually like them more than the Peter Jackson ones. Hmm. They're, just, they're just weird and interesting, and everything was created by hand. And it, some really different choices on those things. Um, and, man, I don't know. There's a lot of great movies out there. Well, we were talking. I mean, you and I were talking before we started recording. Before uh, David got here, it's some of the, some of the. Oh, dis- sorry, huh? Didn't what? Mean to interrupt <laughs> your conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying this is new to you, David. You know, so you can. Conti- you weren't here. You were busy doing not killing people. Well, you right. say which is, is important. Before work. we, <laughs> before we turn the mics on, it's uh, before. Okay, there. Just. Uh, <laughs> And David got here. This is really the only <laughs> hour of my week that matters. So just uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> but you were talking about a specific era uh, in Disney that you really respond oh, to a yeah, great yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to call it the milk call years. Uh, late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney started to do some different things. They, they chose different visual styles. It was kind of in response to a, another studio that was kind of nipping at their heels called UPA that did uh, Pink Panther and Mr. Magoo. Mm. And so their style started becoming uh, a little different. If you think of mm. like something like, uh, like Sword in the Stone, mm. uh, maybe not their strongest movie as far as a story or as far as songs, but visually there was some really interesting designs going on mm-hmm. and really interesting animation and, uh, um, or even like the original Rescuers. Like, some of the, like, like think of uh, Medusa from that or yeah. Mad Madam Mim from, from that. Or like, yeah. do you know the sequence when Mad Madam Mim was changing different styles? Yeah, yeah, the and, Wizards like, duel. Yeah, yeah, it's a great scene, right? Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like one of those forgotten moments of, of Disney. Like, if you go to, you know, the theme park, there's very little. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we don't talk about Jungle Book anymore. But, um, <laughs> but there, there was just something very cool where they were trying to do something different. And then, unfortunately, that led into the almost collapse of the Walt Disney Studio until it came back with Little Mermaid like 15 years later. Mm-hmm. But the studio almost ended. We almost just stopped Disney cartoons forever. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. see... I desperately wanted to see that documentary, uh, Waking, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Did you see it? I am not aware of such thing. What oh, is this? There's a, it's a documentary uh, with a lot of original footage, original interviews, and some retrospective interviews in which they talk about the... I think it's like a five-year section when Disney animation started back up starting with little mermaid starting with little mermaid it's about that era yeah it's supposed to be great and like the major like just how disrespected disney animation (laughs) got and then at that point just how through 
as you mentioned, for just sheer force of will, they decided, you know what, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then all of a sudden, Disney animation just came roaring back. Not just Disney, that brought back animation. Mm-hmm. Animation was kind of like, eh, do people care about animation anymore? Nah. Yeah. And the quality was going down, and everyone was just out to make a quick buck, and yeah. then, yeah, Mermaid brought it all back. That's uh, Little Mermaid was the first film that I ever saw multiple times in the theater. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And it was also like, uh, you know, I was a, a a a nerd and not a very popular kid <laughs> in, el- in elementary school, and so I I desperately wanted to be popular. But one thing that I would not hold my ground on, all the like boys my age would be like, "Well, oh, you like Little Mermaid? It's for girls." And I'd be like, "No, it's fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing that I will not let you bully me about. Yeah. Little Mermaid is fucking great." <laughs> like, what about yeah. if we punch you? Yeah. I don't care. Well, let's punch him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but then everyone would break out to song and sing together, and everyone knew, everyone knew all the words. Like Aladdin, that's where it's at. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I think we do need to start wrapping up, and I—that's the—that's the thing about a, a discussion like this—is it's. I mean, no matter, we spent forty minutes on it, which is really just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and actually, while we're as long as we're giving recommendations, can you think of any off the top of your head that you really recommend to people a, lo- a great deal? Uh, well, I mean, I was if you want, say, I can jump in because I realize I just put you on the spot. Yeah, uh, no, I, I mean, I was obviously, if you haven't seen My Neighbor Totoro, that's one of my favorites of all time, mm-hmm. and uh, I would suggest seeking out uh, Millennium Actress and Perfect Blue. Okay. Uh, I myself am a big fan of Monster House uh, yeah. for a lot of the same it's reason uh, that I talked about uh, with Kung Fu Panda is that the way that they animate the house. And the way that they deal with it, it's just so clever and so creative. And it's just the the essence of what that kind of uh, of what an animated movie can be and what they can do with it. And also there are moments it is legitimately scary. Like it's it's a pretty frightening film. Like if I was if I was 10 and watching that movie, it would probably freak me out a little bit. Um, But uh, and then I'm a big fan of the original Pinocchio. Um, I think that's really like the animation in that is. Especially if you if you look at uh, the film they made right before, which is Snow White, which to to find film and the animation is 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 really gorgeous to look at. Snow White is the first film I ever remember seeing in the theater. Really? Uh, when did Snow White come out in thirty seven? I was going to say, how old are you? <laughs> no, Snow White came out in nineteen thirty seven, right? I think so. So eighty seven would have been a fi- the fiftieth year anniversary, sense, and they yeah. released it theatrically. Mm-hmm. I was five years old, and I saw it. It's the first movie going memory that I have. I don't remember the first movie I saw in the theater. Well, no, People uh, get mad at me for that. According to my mom, the first movie I saw in the theater was E.T., but I was less oh, okay. than a year old oh, at yeah, the time. All right. Fair enough. Doesn't quite um, I think you have to actually be like focused on the screen to say that <laughs> right. you saw the movie. Uh, or have eyes um, that are, bit, yeah, that can look more than a foot in front of you. Exactly. Uh, but it is interesting if you watch Snow White and then watch Pinocchio just to see the insane amount of progress that the animators had yeah. made both in just the back the beautiful backgrounds the character design uh the the way a character can turn from a person into a donkey uh i mean characters go underwater and water especially hand-drawn can be very difficult to animate it's just really and i would say that both on dvd and on blu-ray by the like really good edition of Pinocchio, it's got a lot of really awesome special features that will co- help you appreciate just how amazing that movie is. Which Disneyland ride do you prefer? 
Uh, you mean of those? Of uh, those two. What's crazy is Snow White or Disneyland? Uh, I'm sorry, Snow, Snow White, White or, Pinocchio. Or, or Pinocchio? I'm still going to go with Pinocchio. I think I will also go with Pinocchio, but oh, Snow White Disneyland ride is horrifying. Uh, don't get me wrong, a whale coming to eat you is also terrifying, as is Pleasure Island. All those rides, except for Peter Pan, are terrifying, <laughs> including Winnie the Pooh. You get on Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh, and it's like, what a pleasant ride. Heffalumps and woozles. Yes. Here they are, yep. and they're going to get you. I oh, think, my gosh. I think Mr. Toad's Wild Ride might be the worst, because you actually you go to hell. You, you go, go to, to hell, hell yeah. 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 And, yeah. and it's always that fun thing where you... I, I've told this story before. I was... I did not tell my friend how it ended, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, a train is coming for you in this really awesome special effect of just pitch black and then sound effects and just l- strategically placed lights coming right at you. And, uh, and it's like, oh my gosh, what, what's going on? And then you find yourself in like a cave that's red and it's easily 15 to 20 degrees warmer. Uh-huh. And you're like, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> In this ride for children, <laughs> we're in hell. And you know what? Ride over. Yeah. It ends in hell. You don't come back from it. No. It's the end. It's a very yeah. no, very you see, the, you see the little three-year-olds and they're in their little princess dresses. And they're like, yeah, we're going on Snow White. And yeah, just and they come out and they're just shell shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but those those movies were actually pretty scary. All, yeah. I mean, all yeah. of them. And. It's funny that tends to be not always, but often there's that's something that kind of is reoccurring in children's movies. Mm-hmm. Is that because children are afraid, or we just like scaring the hell out of them? I I don't know. I don't know. I oh, I, uh, we I mean the the films are always fairly they're fairly cut and dry morals or themes, and so it's I mean a kid can certainly pick up on them, but yeah. you know it's like well kids aren't incredibly adept at recognizing nuance so we need to maybe put it in black and white terms and so the evil needs to be very evil frighteningly evil and the good needs to be incredibly good and so you you watch and you're like this is really terrifying but i guess it kind of has to be because of you're dealing with a five-year-old and you need to show like look he's this the witch is evil (laughs) see how terrified you are Uh that means she's evil and uh but yeah they i I love so many of those those old films and it it does astound me it's like i grew up watching these (laughs) i wonder i turned out like this i was oh man when uh in um an american tale the shipwreck when the Mm. when the the boat's going down and five gets separated from his family yeah i uh, that's it still gets me both on an emotional and just a pure like fear of drowning and death yeah uh, level and anyway. the, the the cries for the parents too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, rough stuff. <sighs> all right, well that's this episode. Um, <laughs> Let's all sigh. Where but can where can people find you uh, in your work? Oh, uh, just uh, Google anything Frog Children. That's my journal. That's my Twitter feed at Frog Children. Frogchildren dot com. Uh, fan page on Facebook uh, and also at uh, Luximation Studios or of course anything Clockwork Girl. Okay, cool. Um, all right, you can find. Oh, hang on. Uh, oh, sorry. Okay, so September 4th <laughs> yes, at Meltdown Comics, 8 p.m. Uh, what is the address for Meltdown, David? I don't remember. Nor do I. It's on Sunset. You can look it up. <laughs> you can go to meltcomics.com and you'll find yeah. out all about it. It's over by the Guitar Center. <laughs> you know that Guitar Center, right? It's right by there. Just look around. Um, but uh, So, yeah, September 4th, that's Saturday, 8 p.m. at Meltdown Comics. Uh 
the next Battleship Pretension Live. As of right now, we don't have a full lineup. We've got, as I mentioned, Matt Champagne. And now we've, we do as of, today. as of today, we have officially have a headliner, uh, comedian Kyle Kinane. The awesome comedian Kyle Kinane. Very funny guy. Whose who's, who's album, Death of the Party, uh, you should pick up Absolutely. and laugh and laugh at. Yes. Because it's it, great. It is a delight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's going to be $5, free beer. Uh, and, and I got to buy that beer, so don't forget the donate button over at <laughs> BattleshipRetention.com. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, a one-time donation, or you can sign up for a donation subscription. Which is, uh, for one year, you give them a PayPal account, a checking account, a credit card, debit card number, whatever. Yeah. Two bucks a month for a year. You don't even feel it. You don't even feel Set it. Set it and forget it. Set that's it and forget it. Oh, is that? Let's add that to it now. <laughs> okay. Indeed. So you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com or by searching iTunes for Battleship Retention. You can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the Twitter feed for his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes under More Than One Lesson. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review podcast previously on by searching previously on in iTunes. All right. Kevin, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. It was fun. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. I'm going to burn your face (laughs) if you're not more patient with me.